Let's bring in our uh, next guest. We have uh, Kurt Nelson joining us, the founder, partner, and CEO of Summerhaven Investment Management with us to take a look at commodities. Kurt, good to have you with us. Kind of a quiet morning. week for, good morning, kind of a quiet week for energy markets, but with all the focus on inflation, uh, tough to ignore crude WTI holding up around 90 in this divergence I just pointed out in terms of what we've seen as far as diesel. Yeah, I think we've had a, uh, uh Probably a quiet week in commodities because everyone's been focused on this election, which uh, I thought Kevin's comments earlier were were quite illuminating. I mean, it sort of is coming out to be a nothing burger. Um, you know, from a political standpoint, you don't think politics affect commodities that much, but we have had some drama in the oil market over the last month or two. Um, you had competing kind of crosswinds. On the one hand, you had OPEC. Uh, I think disappointing the Biden administration by announcing a two million barrel a day cut. Uh, very supportive for prices, and we've talked before on the show that you know, OPEC uh, likes to have these, you know, higher prices in, in oil, and when they start to come down, they're going to cut production, uh, and this is creating great profits from you know, great numbers from Aramco reported uh, in the last month. On the other side, uh, coming in this into this election cycle, we heard a lot of press about inflation, high gas prices at the pump, um, and the Biden administration has been putting, I think, it's around a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve into the market. Now, the, the OPEC countries in Saudi Arabia can cut production and do that for forever, but eventually the SPR will be depleted and, and then it actually they actually go on the other side of the fence. We're gonna have to rebuild that emergency mm -hmm. storage of oil, which is supposed to be used in, you know, when we have a crisis, not to control uh, distillate prices during an election cycle. So um, I think that the, I think, Oil looks well supported going forward. Um, just staying in the energy complex, you mentioned heating oil, and I think that is something really important to watch over the next six months, even over the next two months. Um, commodities, you know, trade on supply and demand, and inventory levels for heating oil are at something like multi-decade lows right now. Of course, crude oil itself isn't usable. You have to uh, put it into a refinery and, and heat it up, which is called cracking the, the, the barrel of oil. And you get useful things like uh, diesel or gasoline, heating oil, uh, even jet fuel. Um, but those uh, distillates are at very low inventory levels. Um, and refinery capacity is you know fairly limited. We're, we're cranking out as much of these products as we can. So I think, I think that's one of the reasons why you saw heating oil uh, better supported uh, during a you know, soft market cycle uh, compared to oil. You know, you bring up a, good few, uh, a few good points here in terms of, uh, you know, and it raises some questions here as far as the Biden administration and their energy policies ultimately with lawmakers and, again, the shift or lack thereof, I guess, in terms of this red wave that was expected. But how much uh, progress in terms of some of these initiatives, this green uh, sort of wave or this move towards greener energy, uh, I guess I should call it, uh, in terms of Congress, uh, uh, is this going to relieve any of the gridlock? Is this going to get any of those uh, efforts moving forward? I mean, Republicans have blamed Biden administration and uh, Democrats' policies on uh, greener energy for much of what we've seen in terms of some of the uh, run-up in the energy markets, crude specifically again to 93 right. this week? I think that's, I don't think that story is quite right. I think that it will have an inflationary impact, but I don't even think we've seen it yet. Um, the, you know, Inflation Reduction Act, it's an interesting name for, you know, for a bill. It's now the law of the land. I mean, it's been passed by both houses, signed by Biden. Um, it's got, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars that will be spent largely on 
green energy initiatives. So subsidies for electric vehicle production at the consumer level to support buying electric vehicles to enhance the grid. Um, I believe there's you know, direct subsidies to auto manufacturers to, to retool and move from combustion engines to EVs. Um, it's It was actually a topic with uh, our European uh, par business partners as they were frustrated that it was focused only on cars made in North America and they wanted it expanded to support cars from Germany or even from, um, you know, from Southeast Asia. So um, that's going to be a transition that takes a decade mm -hmm. to occur. And we have, just like the heating oil story, we have very low inventory levels of key metals like uh, nickel, but in particular copper. Um, S&P Global has estimated that uh, copper demand could double from where we are today to 2035 based on not just what the U.S. is doing, but what the whole planet is doing to move towards renewable energy and, and a, a sort of a greener energy policy. It's not just a political uh, machination. Consumers want it. People are worried about global warming and worried about the health of the planet. Uh, Supply and demand in copper has historically been pretty tight. It's almost been a just-in-time inventory situation where we used to make about 15 million tons uh, a year and use up about 15 million tons a year. That's grown to a little more than 20 million tons now. But the, the estimates say that if demand doubles and production can't catch up, we're talking about you know, a 9 million ton deficit in, in annual copper uh, supply. Um, and that figure is usually tight within, you know, a couple hundred thousand metric tons where, where supply and demand meet. So uh, the question that you asked was, do, do, we th do I think that the Biden policies are factoring into inflation now? And I'd say no. Um, I mean, to some degree, perhaps. But the real big one is the, the you know, the industrial metals. I think that, um, that that's going to be fueled by this shift. And the last point I would make is that um, it used to take four years to kind of site a new mine, get permitting done, get it funded, and start to you know extract metal from the ground. It now takes close to a decade, in some cases more, and many mines aren't uh, even allowed their permit, which happened for a huge copper project in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, uh, in the last year. So um, the CapEx spending from large mining companies has been low for the last seven to ten years because commodity prices were soft. We're not seeing that this year, right? Um, depending on your index of choice, broad commodities are up 15 to 30% year to date. And you contrast that to the S&P being down 20% year to date, NASDAQ down more than 30%. Um, as a commodity manager, I've been you know waiting for this moment for a long time. Uh, that was not the story in the 2010s, but I actually think commodities are very well supported going forward. And it goes much beyond uh, just the, the policy decisions that the Biden administration is trying to put in place. And it sounds like, to your point, it goes beyond just a Republican, a Democrat issue as well. Yeah. And uh, it is a, a longer term issue in, in terms of the duration of, in terms of resolving or it developing, I guess, in many ways, talking to uh, the demand and the supply side of things in terms of grains. Can you uh, give us a little bit of heads up in terms of what to watch for today, Kurt? We've got the uh, WASA report, the World Agricultural Supply Demand Estimates headed our way that's going to be at noon Eastern. Right. I mean, when we look at wheat in the U.S., we're tracking, you know, delivery here. Uh, on a global basis, we're having supply chain problems, right? We have a war in 
uh, Ukraine that wasn't supposed to happen, and then it did mm -hmm. uh, to our surprise. Russia rolled in. And it was supposed to last a week. I mean, yeah. who thought that yeah. Ukraine could fight for eight months and then start retaking territory? Yeah. Um, thankfully, and this is a huge source. It's, it is literally the breadbasket of the world. And countries like Egypt and other Mediterranean countries, African countries, sorely depend on this as a source of food. Um, thankfully, there was a deal cut to uh, ship grains out of Ukraine. Um, Turkey was critical in helping to negotiate that. But as combat has continued, um, as there was uh, fighting in the Black Sea that Russia blamed Ukraine for in their in their naval fleet, um, Russia kind of put a stop on that for, uh, for a little while. They've restarted. Um, there's still, I think, 80 ships in port uh, or anchored offshore uh, in the Black Sea, waiting to pick up grain to transship. Um, there has been some. There have been some successful deliveries, but that whole deal, I think, has to be renewed in the next month or two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's unclear whether Russia will respond to that or not. Um, meanwhile, you know, cl you know, climate is going to continue to have an impact on on production. Um, you know, you really want a Goldilocks scenario when you're growing food. Just amount, just the right amount of sun, right amount of rain, right amount of heat. You don't want strong winds, um, and you can have a bumper crop. But all you need, you only need one of those dominoes to fall for everything to start to to break down. And so I think food supply generally for the world is. There have been warnings from the UN. They're doing everything they can to shout from the rooftops that we have a problem coming. Much like the shortage in metals that I forecast, I think that there will be problems getting food produced and put it in, into the right places in an efficient way going forward. So, uh, you know, even with all that having been said, uh, we never even really got a chance to talk about the U.S. dollar and the impact that's had on some of these commodities as well. Right. Because we've seen some movement there as of recent, which we're going to talk about in our next segment in terms of financial mm -hmm. markets. But, uh, Kurt, always a pleasure to have you on. A solid breakdown talking, uh, again, metals, energies, and uh, grains ahead of the WASI report here today and some of the uh, recent developments we've seen as far as what's behind price activity. Kurt Nelson, the founding partner and CEO of Summerhaven Investment Management management.